Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Dunn looking to get it in. Dunn into Colin Sexton. Game time three in the air. No good! Oh, from the right corner, off the heel of the rim, and the Dubs avoid overtime, and just by the skin of their teeth, head into the All-Star break with a winning record. It's time for Warriors Wrap-Up. We'll bring you into the locker room and hear from Coach Kerr and the players. Highlights from the game, Warriors Wrap-Up starts now. That was Kevin Dana doing a great job filling in for Tim Roy on the call here on Warriors Radio on 95.7 The Game. And he's right, just by the skin of their teeth, the Warriors survive in Utah, 140-137. to Welcome in. It's Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. Mark Randy with you trying to sort through what was arguably, probably uh, the wildest game of the season, what I can guarantee you despite the fact that there's a ton of contenders this probably would have been the worst loss of the season for the Warriors if they found a way to lose it down the stretch and uh, you could maybe argue they deserve to the way that they played the final like six minutes of this game uh, that game tying potential game tying three from Colin Sexton often inbound with a couple of seconds left he managed to get wide open no one even contesting the shot the Warriors got a little bit lucky they'll certainly take it it rims out and the Warriors uh, they end the unofficial first half of the season with a win and as you heard Kevin Dana say now above 500 are the Warriors as they go into the all-star break at 27 and 26 all right welcome into Warriors wrap up on 95-7 the game again Mark Randy with you. We got to try to sort through this mess because it was a mess. Uh, give me a call 888-957-9570. That's also the Comcast Business text line. Shout out to the five one zero already chiming in uh, as well. And I'm keeping an eye on our YouTube chat as always, powered by the First NorCal Credit Union. Uh, you can visit that and be part of the chat, which is always a ton of fun. Uh, YouTube.com/slash nine five seven. The game. I see Dublin Marge. I see uh, GSW Vera. Uh, I see a couple of others as well in there as well. So uh, uh, let me know your thoughts any of those three ways. Give us a call, the Comcast Business text line, or the YouTube chat, again, powered by First NorCal Credit Union. I think the best way uh, to recap this game, first of all, we need to mention how it started, uh, which was Clay Thompson coming off of the bench for the first time since his rookie season. Um, he had... In 727 consecutive games played, they'd all been starts. 727 consecutive starts for Clay Thompson. The last time he played in a game that he did not start, uh, March 11th, 2012. So we got to go back nearly 12 full seasons since the last time, 12 full years since the last time Clay played in a Warriors game that he did not start. 
March 11th, 2012. And through three quarters, it looked like uh, the decision of the season for Steve Kerr and for uh, Clay Thompson. I mean, through three quarters, Clay Thompson just simply could not miss. Off the bench again for the first time since March of 2012, Clay Thompson, he had through three quarters 35 points. He was 13 for 18 from the field. He made seven of 11 threes, uh, and he was at his hottest in the third quarter when he scored 18 points in that quarter alone and only six minutes of action. He played half of the third quarter and scored 18 points in that time, six of seven from the field in the third, four of five from downtown, and things were looking great for the Warriors. Through three quarters, they had um, a decent-sized lead. After three quarters, the Warriors were up by 19 points, 120-101, to 101, and then the fourth quarter was a mess for the Warriors. They get outscored by 15 points, 35-20 to 20 in the fourth. They had a 13-point lead at 130-117 to 117 with six and a half left in the fourth quarter. 13-point lead, six and a half left in the fourth, and it comes down to the final moments. Um, I know the Warriors earned... Uh, I don't know if earned is the right word. The Warriors escaped Utah with a win today, um, but the the larger, I don't know, idea, uh, theme surrounding this team that they can't close games, uh, that was upheld today. The Warriors eventually won this game, uh, but they proved, like they have time and time again this season, that they can't close games. Or at the very least, they have a very, very, very difficult time doing it. Uh, and the fourth quarter was relatively ugly. And it it's kind of interesting because you feel like when when the Warriors have moments like these, you know, where they just can't take care of the ball. They're turning the ball over left and right. It's turning into buckets every single time. If you look at just the fourth quarter, the Warriors only turned the ball over twice, believe it or not. Only twice, believe it or not. But the defense, just so incredibly porous. And it was that way for most of this game. But specifically, the final half of the fourth quarter, it was not good for the Warriors defensively. Uh, and, and we can get into that. This team has serious defensive issues, specifically uh, when Clay Thompson is not in the starting lineup. And I know Clay is not the defender that he once was. But when you're trotting out there, Steph Curry and Brandon Pajemski, um, it's not going to be pretty defensively most nights. When you're already small on the front end, when you're starting Draymond Green at the five and Jonathan Kaminga at the four, and then your two guards are Steph Curry and Brennan Pajemski, it's going to be difficult for you to compete night in and night out on the defensive end. And for all of, of Clay Thompson's shortcomings shooting the ball this season, and I know he's not the same perimeter defender that he once was, he has kind of turned into a pretty good defender down low in the post against taller guys. So I think he does help the Warriors on that side of the basketball. Um, but it was very clear, no matter who was out there in this in this one, I mean, really neither team were interested in defending. It wasn't just defense optional. Defense was actively discouraged in this game. It felt like both these teams were already mentally at the all-star break. Uh, no one was competing on the defensive end. I mean, the Warriors at halftime had made 15 threes. The Jazz had made 14. They combined for 29 made threes in the first half of this game. Again, defense not just optional. It was actively discouraged. Uh, it felt like both teams were ready or were already on the All-Star break. And then the fourth quarter rolled around, and it seemed like the Warriors were already four margaritas deep in Cabo. 
uh, during the All-Star break. Like, it was just a chaotic fourth quarter. It was ugly. Uh, it was not necessarily a ton of turnovers, but it was turnovers in the worst possible moments. Uh, the Warriors, after a wild sequence with about, uh, what was it, like five minutes left, um, a wild sequence, maybe more like three minutes left. A wild sequence, the ball bouncing around left and right. The Warriors ultimately come up with it, and there's two Utah Jazz players on the ground after failing to retrieve the basketball. So the Warriors on the other end have a five-on-three. They could push it to a 10-point lead. It was an eight-point advantage at the time. Kaminga throws a pass up the court, easily intercepted. It turns into a market in three, and instead of a 10-point lead, an 11-point lead, it's only a five-point lead the momentum continues to build and there were so many of those chaotic moments untimely turnovers uh unable to get defensive rebounds the Jazz lived on the offensive boards in the fourth quarter it's a big reason they got back into this game and yeah the Warriors escaped with a win uh, but they proved once again as they have a lot of times this season they just simply cannot close ball games and it makes no sense considering uh, how this team is constructed, I know they do rely a lot on youth. I mean, Pajemski started today. Jonathan Kaminga has been starting for a while. Those are two relatively young guys. But on a team that has Stephen Curry, that has Draymond Green, that has Klay Thompson, all who closed this game, by the way, despite the fact that Klay did not start, you have Andrew Wiggins who did not close, by the way, tonight for the Warriors. You have all these veteran pieces and you were unable to close basketball games. It's one of the bigger mysteries um, of of this basketball season. Like, what is it about this Warriors team that just causes them to play so chaotic in fourth quarters when they have leads specifically? Like, we've seen them play close games and, and play fine, but it's almost like, all right, Warriors up by 15 going into the fourth. The opponent has them right where they want them. Like, what is it about this Warrior team that uh, lends them to be so difficult in fourth quarters and I mean that in a bad way not difficult to play against just so difficult for them to play their style of basketball when they had played well through three quarters then suddenly everything hits the fan and in the fourth quarter they're hanging on for dear life and oftentimes they've let games like this slip away but this time they managed to to, to find a way to win um, I want to steal from someone who tweeted at me during during this game. Shout out to at uh, Stacking Dubs uh, says for all the encouraging losses the Warriors have had, they deserve to escape with a depressing win. I think that's very well said. This was a win, but it didn't really feel like a win. Uh, and it's kind of the opposite of the way we felt about a lot of Warrior games this season, where you see them play well for three quarters, three and a half quarters, and ultimately you were encouraged. But then they just do pointless, uh, bad things down the stretch, and they ultimately lose the basketball game. So, again, shout-out to at StackingDubs on Twitter. All the encouraging losses the Warriors have had this season, they deserve to escape with the depressing win. And that's a, a really, really good way to sum up this basketball game because it was a win. It could have easily been a loss, and you don't leave this game feeling too good about yourselves. But at the end of the day, it's a win, and you're now over 500 as you go to the All-Star break. A much-needed break for the Warriors uh, as they get a time to rest up. They have been traveling nonstop like crazy over the last couple of weeks, uh, and now they get to, uh, uh, to, to recoup 
to gather themselves and get ready for a stretch down the end of the regular season that hopefully is more successful than the first half of the season. All right. It's Warriors wrap-up on 95-7 the game. Mark Randy with you after a wild Warriors win. Uh, the final score in Utah today, 140-137. to The Jazz, they had a potential game-tying three from the corner in the final seconds that missed. Colin Sexton off an inbound with a couple of seconds left. Managed to get wide open, uh, and he missed it. And the Warriors dodged a bullet there, and they escaped Salt Lake City with a win. All right, out to the phone lines we go on Warriors Wrap-Up. If you want to uh, be part of the show, give me a call, 888-957-9570. That's also the Comcast Business text line. And up first here on Warriors Wrap-Up is Ray in San Rafael. Ray, what's up? You're on uh, 95.7 The Game. How you doing tonight, Ray? Well, I'm doing well. I'm just happy to see that they won. But uh, what I find uh, distressing is that if you shoot the ball with 15 seconds left on the clock, on the shot clock, and you miss it, that's a turnover if they don't get the rebound. And so, you know, Coach Adelman back in the day, he said, if you don't like to play defense, hold on to the ball a little longer. <laughs> Okay, and he's like, that was so smart. I've always, and I I coach the kids, and I tell them, you know, you got to pass the ball, you got to create angles, tic tac toe, but you can't do it with, you know, in in you know three or four seconds, you know, you gotta you gotta be able to pass the ball around a little bit. So I think, you know, like they had two turnovers, but if you look at the way they play, they play in a way that uh, they can come back from a from a bad drought during the game but at the end of the game you can't come back from a drought you're done <laughs> so that's the problem with the Warriors I, I think yeah Ray I mean I'm I'm with you sometimes watching the Warriors end of games it's just like take a deep breath calm down figure things out kill a little bit of clock make the defense work for it and it'll take care of a lot of your problems I think back to um, it was the game the week after Christmas because the Warriors were in Denver on Christmas. Then during that seven-game homestand, the Warriors played Denver again, and they had what? I think it was a 16-point lead, maybe even an 18-point lead with like six and a half minutes left. Six and a half minutes left, you led by 18 points over Denver, and ultimately you lose that game in regulation. That's an advantage where if you just take the 24-second shot clock violation every possession, you probably win the game. You probably win the game if you just do that every single time down the court. Now, you could just take a corner three at the shot clock buzzer every time down, and maybe you make a couple, and, and you're better off that way. But the point is, the Warriors have been in situations where the opponents had little to no chance to win a game, to come back to make it competitive. And through the Warriors' mistakes, their over-eagerness, they allowed opposing teams to get back into it. And on this conversation, I think back to that game against Denver earlier this season, I also think back, I don't know how many of you guys out there remember this game, but I will never forget this basketball game, the 2013 uh, Western Conference second round of the playoffs. So it was the first year the Warriors made the playoffs in the Steph Clay and Draymond Arrows back when Mark Jackson was the head coach and the Warriors had just upset the Denver Nuggets in the first round the Nuggets were the three the Warriors were the six and then as a result the Warriors got to take on the San Antonio Spurs who would go on to win uh, or to, to win the Western Conference and they would lose that year to the Heat uh, in the NBA Finals 
But the Warriors in game one in San Antonio had a 16-point lead with like four minutes left. 16-point lead with four minutes left. It was Steph Curry who was going crazy in that game. And you're, you're like, oh, my God, the Warriors, this, this young team that we know nothing about, just upstart team, upset the Nuggets. They're going to go in and, and upset Manu Ginobili and Tim Duncan and Tony Parker in game one. And then, you know, Jarrett Jack took a three early in the shot clock. Richard Jefferson did the same thing. Kent Bazemore made a mistake. And you're making all these mistakes early in the shot clock when all you had to do was kill clock and San Antonio has no chance to come back and win the game. I know that's, that's you know, a story from 11 years ago now. Uh, but it is, I think, uh, it, it means something to this Warrior team because they are still suffering from those issues at times. Uh, and, and tonight was one of those days where it just was... Um, it was haphazard. It was it, there was there was no rhythm for the Warriors offensively, and sometimes you get into those chaotic moments, and you just gotta take a deep breath, as our caller was talking about. You gotta just calm it down for a minute, realize you're in a fantastic position. You've got a big lead. Utah is the team in trouble. Do not play into their hands. Calm down, dribble the ball a little bit, set up the offense, get a good shot. Clay's been on fire. You, you trust Steph in fourth quarters and big moments. He's been the best clutch scorer in the NBA this season. Just calm down a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at our YouTube chat right now, powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Uh, Bandit says, run the ball. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like that. Run the ball. When you got a lead in the fourth quarter of a football game, kill clock. Run the ball. Run the ball! Yeah, Sterling's got a, a tear running down his face right now. Kyle Shanahan, are you listening? Run the damn ball, right? No, but it's what the Warriors needed to do in this game. It's what they've needed to do all season when they've had leads in the fourth quarters. Um, and I know the Warriors a lot in, in the, the Steph era have kind of thrived on that chaos. Steve Kerr has always called it controlled chaos. It's not been controlled chaos this year. It's just been chaos, period. And it's been allowing opponents to get back into basketball games. Tonight, it did not cost the Warriors a win, but it's cost them like three, four, five wins this season. And they've got to learn this lesson because if they don't learn this lesson, it's going to cost them another win or two or three down the stretch of the regular season. And maybe is a reason they don't make the playoffs. Maybe it's a reason they don't make the play-in. they got to learn this lesson. And to this point, they have not learned it despite the fact that they did pick up a win today in Utah. They absolutely have to learn that lesson if they're going to be at all a serious player in the Western Conference. Um, we do got to talk about Clay Thompson and what he did off the bench. I thought he had a really interesting comment uh, to, to Fitz and Buki on the NBC Sports Bay Area television broadcast at halftime after he had a great first half. We will get to that in just a little bit. But let's do go uh, back out to the phone lines here on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. It's Mark Randy with you. We're reacting to the Warriors' 140-137 to win over the uh, Jazz to close out the unofficial first half of their season. The Warriors will go into the All-Star break one game over at 27-26. and 26. All right, back to the phone lines we go. Up next is D from D.C. D, what's up? You're on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. D, how you doing? Mark, how you doing, man? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to catch my breath from that game. That fourth quarter was wild, D. Sure was, sure was. But thank God they came out with a W. 
my goodness, can you imagine losing two games back to back after after leading uh, with double digits throughout the game? That would be that would be devastating, man. But I'm happy to see that Clay made the decision to well, Kerr and Clay came together and decided it would be best for him to come off the bench, which was a great decision because Clay came out and started shooting the ball with vigor. Um, he did his things, and if it weren't because of his production, we probably would have lost the game because Steph had a terrible game. Um, regarding the conversation you were having as far as losing the lead, etc., cetera, uh, the Warriors has a, has a discipline problem, man, and this has been an issue for years. Um, and I truly believe the Kerr actually encourages the undisciplinedness based on the fact that he does not stand up to uh, demand certain things on the court. He's undisciplined with his rotation. Um, how in the world are you going to be the smallest team in the, in the league? You face, with, you face playing versus uh, tall seven-footers, but you have to decide to roll with Looney, who's, who, can't even, who can't even jump a, a half an inch off the ground. Or better yet, Sarich, who can't even, who can't even defend his own shadow. That, that just does not make any sense, man. Um, the undisciplinedness, in my opinion, that starts from the top, and then it transfers down to the players. Because you, if you, as the coach, you're not able to re- to maintain a certain level of disciplinedness, the players themselves they're gonna they're gonna copy it, and then they're gonna throw start throwing games away like they they've been doing all throughout the season. Um, anyways, I'm so glad the the half has come. And we are, what, half and half now? So um, hopefully moving forward, a few things will be changed and then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be in a positive – it will be a positive step, step for, the, for, the, for the entire organization moving forward. All right, man, let me hang up and uh, listen to you guys from the other side. All right, thanks, to you. Appreciate the call as always. Yeah, Warriors now 27-26 and 26 as they go into the All-Star break, one game over 500, which I think if you would have asked Warrior fans two weeks ago, three weeks ago, they would have taken that. Of course they would have, uh, but the way that last night ended uh, is it kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth, and you add in the way this fourth quarter went, despite the fact that it was a win. This doesn't feel as sweet as I think you thought it might be if you were asked or told two weeks ago that the Warriors would be over 500 at the All-Star break. But nonetheless, they are 27-26. and 26. I think D does bring up a good point about some of the the, the lineup, the rotation decisions today, I thought it was a little bit odd, especially considering the way the fourth quarter was going. Uh, we talked about some of the turnovers, and I know that's that's like a buzzword around the Warriors is the turnovers. The number of turnovers weren't necessarily terrible today. The Warriors only committed 13 turnovers as a team. If you were to ask Steve Kerr, Steve, would you accept 13 turnovers per game? He would say absolutely, unequivocally, yes. Give me 13 turnovers every single time. We will win more basketball games than we lose. Way more basketball games than we lose. But for the Warriors, it was the kind of turnovers they were committing. They almost always led to buckets on the other end. How about this? On the 13 Warriors turnovers, the Jazz turned it into 29 points. 
13 turnovers turned into 29 points. That's more than two points per turnover. How is that possible? That is incredible efficiency. What does that tell you? It's live ball turnovers turning into wide open jumpers, turning into fast break dunks, turning into and ones. The Warriors only committed two turnovers in the fourth quarter. They led to six points. Both times the Warriors turned the ball over in the fourth, Utah scored and got three points each time. And the one that sticks out maybe more than anything else was the one I mentioned earlier. The Warriors up by eight, like three minutes left. They have a five on three after a mad scramble for the ball. Kaminga has the ball, tries to push it up the floor, makes a very bad decision, throws it right to the defense. They get a steal, turns into a market in three. Instead of a 10-point lead, it's a five-point lead. The momentum continues, and suddenly you're thinking that you might lose this game. That was just one of, of only two turnovers in the fourth quarter, but the worst kinds of turnovers that directly lead to points on the other side. Uh, but to get back to D's point, I was a little troubled by some of the rotation decisions because it was clear the Warriors just could not grab a rebound in the fourth quarter. You pair that with the defensive issues of the Steph Clay Pajemski lineup, you had to you had to try something else. It was not working defensively. You were getting no rebounds. You you closed with Pajemski over Jonathan Kaminga. So your lineup at the very end of the game was Steph, Pajemski, Clay, Wiggins, and Draymond Green. You were already small when Kaminga is in alongside Wiggins. And now you're going even smaller up against Markinen and Walker Kessler and all these big athletic bodies. Uh, it, it was it was not working for the Warriors. I think they needed a change, and it didn't happen. I'm seeing a lot on the Comcast Business text line, 888-957-9570. Also on the YouTube chat, powered by First NorCal Credit Union. I'm seeing it from Mickey right here. Um, TJD should have been in. Trace Jackson Davis. Uh I'm not going to argue with you, with you, Mickey. I think that that would have been a very good addition to the lineup. I guarantee you that the Jazz would not have gotten as uh, have gotten as many offensive rebounds down the stretch as they did. I mean, the offensive rebounding was one of the main reasons they were in this game late. I mean, you look at the fourth quarter box score uh, from just the fourth quarter in this game when Utah outscored the Warriors 35 to 20. They had nine offensive rebounds in the quarter. Nine offensive rebounds in the quarter. Nine of them. Nine rebounds. They had 21 total rebounds in the fourth quarter. You got you you got to put a little bit of size in there. You have to. Uh, ultimately, it did not cost the Warriors this win, but it nearly did. In addition to other things, this isn't solely on Kerr. I mean, again, we spent the first like 20 minutes talking about um, just how frustrating the chaotic nature of the Warriors are when they have a lead like Steph, Clay, Dre, take a breath. Calm things down. You've been here before. You've won four championships. Deep breath. Exhale. You're in control of this game. Slow it down and you'll be fine. And maybe it's also on Steve Kerr. In fact, it is. It's part of his job to maybe call a timeout when you feel things pulling away from you. Change up the rotation. Change up the lineup if it's not working for you. Um, but at a certain point, you also just got to trust your veterans. And the veterans let you down for a lot of that fourth quarter as well. But I, I'm with you, D, and I'm with all you guys on, on the YouTube chat. It seemed like this this could have been a game where TJD could have helped. 
uh, a little bit because Kevon Looney was was relatively ineffective in this game. Uh, in fact, Looney did Looney even get into this game? In the box score, he's, he's got zero seconds played, but it, it does say that he was not a DNP. He got in? Yeah, he got in, but did not play, like, really at all. So you were set on not playing Kevon Looney. Uh, TJD seemed like the natural answer for the Warriors. All right, back to the phone lines we go. Uh, 888-957-9570. Up next is Junior in Pacifica. Junior, what's up? You're on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. Hey, thank you. Thank you for the heads up. So after the 49ers lost, the only way I was able to get back to sleeping at night, because it was thrilling and it was a disaster, was to like think about the importance of sports in life. So the call tonight was really good in a way. I, I really enjoyed it. So it's like the, there was some Espanol, there were some pop culture references, there were some football references coming off the Super Bowl really good and we we all just have to take a deep breath like this is designed to be a high variability team any team that shoots three pointers for a living is going to be high variability compared to other teams and then we have a uh, sorry for the big words we have a bimodal distribution meaning we have a clump of very young players and we have a clump of really old players and it's just weird we are the weirdest team in the league. So the young guys, like, put in TJD, okay, if he has a great night, that's a good decision. If he has a slow night like young players do, it's a terrible decision. Look at, look at what happened with Kaminga. Sometimes he plays like a, a 28-year-old, you know, established star. And other nights, like, what are you doing, dude? And he did all of that tonight. So it's just a tough time. It's the second night of a back-to-back. We're playing a lot of games in a row. We're working through grief. And we're actually, though, getting more traction than we've had before. Things are getting better. Uh, let's just enjoy even the weirdness and the oddness. I don't think this is the year we win another championship, but maybe if we do everything right, we can set ourselves up for success in the next year or two uh, with Clay help. Clay's change in attitude helping. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Junior. Uh, appreciate the call. Uh, I did want to correct something I said earlier. Looney, of course, did play. I was looking at that fourth quarter box score only. Did not play in the fourth at all. So so Steve Kerr seemed adamant to not play Kevon Looney in that fourth, and I think that you can agree with. I mean, cons- honestly, maybe playing Looney slows down the pace a little bit, which would have helped the Warriors, uh, but this did not seem like his kind of game. Um, but a younger, more athletic big, someone who's not actually quite as big but does give you a little bit more size like TJD I think uh, could have had an impact in this game for the Warriors Um, to our caller's point um, I do think that you know the comment about Kaminga I mean Kaminga had that that really bad turnover late in the fourth quarter and after that he got pulled he did uh, he did not close in this one and considering how he played I'm not going to argue with Steve Kerr about that one I think the conversation for Kaminga about me or for me um, has gotten so much easier to have because, I mean, he's proven that he belongs. Uh, you, you know that even if Kaminga has a, a poor night, at least relative to his expectations, and he set his expectations so damn high considering how well he's played lately, um, you can just kind of you know, let let a, a game here where he's not quite as good as normal, like, just r- let that roll right off your shoulders. Like, 
not every single night is Kaminga doesn't have to prove it to us anymore. Like we know who Kaminga is, and you know he's he's not reached his full potential. You expect him to only continue to get better, but every single night isn't a out of the lack of a better term, like a, a legacy game for Jonathan and Kaminga. He does not need to give you twenty five and seven on eighty percent shooting every single night. One that's crazy unrealistic. Um, but it's not as if we're going to come in and after one night of, of Kaminga playing a little bit subpar, not saying he was bad tonight at all, um, but if Kaminga has a bad game, we're not going to react and say, like, he, you got to cut his minutes. Like, Kaminga has proven more than enough to be comfortable in his role, in his position as a starter, as one of the most important players on this team, um, that I, I'm not going to overreact to a, a subpar game. And by subpar, I don't mean bad by any stretch. It's just because he's been so good for so long now for the Warriors that it, it's not at all time to to overreact uh, to, to just this game tonight for Kaminga where he did make that, that really bad pass that led to a market in three that cut the lead to five uh, in, in the last handful of minutes of that fourth quarter. Uh, we don't need to, to dwell on that too long, in my opinion, about Jonathan Kaminga. All right, uh, let's hit a break. On Warriors wrap-up on 95-7 the game, it's Mark Randy with you. we got a lot more to get to. The Warriors, they earn a win over the Jazz 140-137. to They survive uh, in Utah as they head now into the All-Star break. One game over 500 at 27-26. and We'll hear from Steve Kerr, who has addressed the media in Salt Lake City after this game. That's coming up on the other side. Also, we got a handful of calls to get to. Mark, you're on the way next. Also, Dino, I see you. We're coming to you on the other side as Warriors wrap-up continues. The Warriors earn a narrow victory in Utah, 140-137. to More Warriors wrap-up next on 95.7 The Game. Thompson, the pick from Looney, a deep three, and he knocks it down again. Clay, six for ten from beyond the arc, a season high, 32 for number 11. Now back to Warriors wrap-up on 95.7 The Game. And again, it was uh, Kevin Dana filling in for the great Tim Roy here on 95.7 The Game and doing a great job, by the way. Uh, that was Clay's sixth three of the night. He would make one more. He finished with a season-high 35 points, 13 of 22 from the field, 7 of 13 from downtown, also six rebounds and two assists. Uh, he had all those points through three quarters. He went scoreless in the fourth as the Warriors uh, uh, turned into – chaos for the Warriors uh, offensively in that fourth quarter. They only scored 20 points after they scored 36 in the first, 48 in the second, 36 in the third, and only 20 in the fourth quarter. They got 120 going into the fourth. They scored 20 in the fourth, and they hold on for a narrow victory, 140 to 137 over the Utah Jazz. The fourth quarter was anything but pretty, but a win is a win. The Warriors now above 500, uh, both in total and on the road. By the way, the Warriors 27 and 26, 13 and 12 on the road, which means currently they are a better team away from Chase Center than they are. Chase Center, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, it's surprising. Believe it or not, the Warriors are a better team away from Chase Center this season than they are at home, which makes absolutely no sense. Last year, the Warriors won only 11 road games all season. Uh, the Warriors have won 13 road games already this year. 
Uh, they could have easily lost this one. The fourth quarter was a mess, but they find a way to win 140 to 137. Okay, back out to the phone lines we go here on Warriors Wrap Up. Uh, we got Steve Kerr coming up in just a little bit. Also, I did read a Clay Thompson quote from postgame that I do want to share with you. That's coming up in a little bit as well here on 95.7 The Game. But first, it's Mark in Milbray. I know Mark wants to talk about the fourth quarter issues for the Warriors. Mark, what's up? You have the floor. You're on 95.7 The Game. Yeah, what's up, man? Uh, yeah, it's uh, what we've seen, unfortunately, all season from the Warriors and why they're sitting in the position they're in right now, being a play-on team. They close out the majority of these games. They wouldn't be, they wouldn't be in the sitting position they currently are. Luckily tonight, they barely escaped because they did everything once again to lose that game, as we saw last night against the Clippers. But fortunately for them, it bounced their way. The the Jazz just had some great looks. They just didn't knock them down. So that happens sometimes. Make or miss league. And fortunately, it, it, more times than not, it hasn't gone the Warriors away this season. Tonight, was uh, it did, and this was huge because you needed to beat Utah because Utah is, is the one team that can catch you. And luckily now, you have a couple games advantage on them, and you have the head, head-to-head uh, clinch uh, season on them. So at this point, you're the Warriors. You're looking up at the Lakers right now. I think they're, what, about a game out? And it's more than likely, they're barring some miracle, they're probably going to be a playing team. You want to make sure you can overtake the Lakers because you want the the, uh, the playing game to be at Chase Center as opposed to L.A. But just so wacky uh, tonight, I love what I saw from Clay, And I think Clay has got to recognize he can thrive. To me, he can be an elite six-man. And this is potentially what we could see out of him going forward. If he could just put his ego aside because he's going to be there. He's going to be, regardless if he's starting or not, he's still going to play a majority of the crunch minutes, as you saw. So you can see what tonight is just an exhibit of what he can be as a, as a sixth man because he's still going to play probably 30-plus minutes per game. And I just love the way that he thrives. And he can come in with the second unit. He, and as we saw tonight, he can just take over a game and be the op, number one scoring option of the team instead of trying to as force a lot of shots as he's done. Uh, majority of the season in the last season. And I think that's the role he's got to recognize. But I think the hugest factor tonight was Draymond. Uh, that's rare. You don't really see him get uh, an offensive production like tonight. They needed that, and that was huge out of Draymond. 23 points, that was massive out of him. Wiggins was pretty efficient, and, and, and Curry didn't really have to have his, his big scoring game tonight because a majority of the other players were so efficient. So uh, I know it was a sloppy once again, but I think that's we just gotta have to deal with the fact that that's how the Warriors are gonna win. But this was huge. They needed this coming off that Clippers loss, especially against a team that's chasing you in Utah. And and to get this win, going into a break, coming off a back to back, was critical. And hopefully, going they're gonna use this time to rest up and to stretch run here with about 25 games left. They can start and make a run and hopefully um, catch maybe a seven eight seed if possible. But uh, hell of a win, hats off to them, even though it was sloppy as hell. Thanks for the time, man. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I mean, a win's a win. Uh, and to your point about the standings, the Warriors 27-26. and 26, They have distanced themselves from Utah a little bit. The Warriors alone in 10th, which is the final play-in spot in the Western Conference. Uh, Utah is two and a half behind the Warriors. So the Warriors have a little bit of cushion. Um, 
in that final spot in the play-in, and the Warriors are a game and a half behind the Lakers for the nine. They're three and a half behind the Kings for the eight, four behind the Mavericks for the seven, and then Phoenix and New Orleans are tied for fifth and sixth. Uh, the Warriors are five games behind those two teams. Uh, so you got a little bit of space, a little bit of breathing room behind you uh, to stay in that 10th spot, to stay in that final playing spot. But you don't have a ton of ground to make up to jump a spot, to jump a couple of spots. But if you are thinking about further than that, it is going to take a hell of an effort uh, down the stretch for the Warriors. And Mark, your point about Clay Thompson, it does bring up uh, the quote that I was referring to that I was teasing just a little bit ago. I do want to read it to you. So Clay Thompson, if you missed it, came off the bench in this game for the first time since his rookie season. The last time he played in a Warriors regular season game and did not start uh, was March 11th, 2012. 727 consecutive appearances that were all starts. That streak was snapped tonight. Clay Thompson, post-game, told reporters in Utah that Steve Kerr talked with him this morning about coming off the bench. Kerr, or pardon me, Clay said, quote, more importantly, I realize I'm going to play a lot of minutes, so you have to let the ego, uh, let go of the ego when you think about coming off the bench. I thought of Manu Ginobili. That guy has four rings and a gold medal, and he came off the bench his whole career. You pair those comments, you pair what Clay Thompson said at halftime of the game today. Uh, when Clay had a really good first half coming off the bench, he said on NBC Sports Bay Area that it was nice to come into a game, the back end of a back-to-back, with, quote, fresh legs. He liked it. You pair these two statements from Clay Thompson, his performance tonight, with uh, what he reportedly said uh, last week about being open to a, a smaller role if that means retiring as a warrior, uh, and it, it really does seem like Clay Thompson is open to conversations and open to actually changing um, the norm around here. Um, and I feel like the general perception around Clay is that he's this stubborn guy. He's a veteran. He's so upset at, at the world for the injuries uh, that he doesn't want to let go of the rope. But I think Clay's his comments, the way he's speaking, maybe some of the shots that he's taking on the court say otherwise. But for the most part, I think the vast majority of Clay's actions are telling you that he's willing to take a smaller role, a less important role, to potentially come off the bench moving forward. And Steve Kerr has said uh, that he's going to stick with Clay coming off the bench at least for a little bit of time uh, coming out of the All-Star break. He wants to give it a real try. Um, and it's a credit to Clay Thompson for being willing to accept that role. And it's why last night I came on here and I said, yeah, Clay had a terrible game, um, but I don't think... I think he's getting a lot more crap than he deserves. I I think we've seen from him signs, moments, showing that he's willing to take a lesser role, and I think tonight was another step in that right direction, and you absolutely love to see it from Clay Thompson. Now, what's kind of ironic about Clay today was what has gotten Clay in trouble all season? It's been shot selection. He's been too aggressive. Uh, I mean, how many times does he take that fade away from the corner, which is a really low percentage shot? Uh, what about how many times does he, he catch and shoot a three when he's one for seven from deep? And you're just thinking, Clay, move the ball. If 
If it comes to it, we can get you that shot later in the shot clock, but let's try to get a better shot first. That's what's got him in trouble. It's it's bad shots in bad moments, forcing things when he's not feeling it. Uh, almost all of the shots he took tonight were those same shots. The only difference is he's making it. Like, shooters are going to shoot. It's what Clay does. And I get that at times it sinks you, but at times like tonight, it's also one of the main reasons that you won the basketball game. It's just kind of what you're going to get from Clay Thompson. And if at this point in his career you can't accept that, then I don't know what to tell you because that's who he is. It's why he's one of the greatest shooters of all time, probably the second greatest shooter to ever live. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's won four championships. It's what makes this guy great. It's what makes him great. He's not going to let go of that, but he does seem to be willing to take on a lesser role, and that is huge news for the Golden State Warriors. It really is. Although I will say, without Clay in the starting lineup, I have serious questions about this team's ability to defend. Not because Clay is some other world defender at this point of his career, but because the the option to replace him is Brandon Pajemski, and I am absolutely absolutely terrified of a Steph Curry Brandon Pajemski duo in terms of defense. Uh, tonight was an example of that. It's not good defensively. And I don't know how much longer the Warriors can keep turning to that if that is the way that Steve Kerr goes, which it does seem like that is the way that he's going. All right, back out to the phone lines we go here on Warriors Wrap-Up 95-7 The Game. Mark Randy with you. Up next is Dino. Dino's in the city. I know he wants to talk about the fourth quarter issues as well. What's up, Dino? You're on 95-7 The Game. Hey, what's up, Grandy? Uh, thanks for taking the call. Um, yeah, I want to talk about the fourth quarter, uh, but also just maybe the second half of the season. Uh, it's funny, I actually missed the entire game. I had parent-teacher's night at my kid's school. But dialing in and listening to your recap and all the calls, it sounds like much of the same. Uh, and so I'm kind of chuckling here because it's, it's great that we got the win, but a lot of the symptoms are familiar of, uh, you know, and reminiscent of a lot of the losses that we've had and as I look at the box score there's some similar things and themes that I'm seeing like low trace minutes uh maybe too much Dario minutes no moody minutes um and so I think you know it kind of sums up for me what what, what the big challenges this so far this season have been a lot of the other callers have touched on it too um kind of the three C's continuity uh consistency and coaching, and maybe not in that order. <laughs> um, but, you know, with injuries and this Draymond suspension, obviously we've had a lack of con- continuity just in terms of the lineups. Um, you know, it sounds like – it seems like we're, we're starting to at least tinker with some of the youth movement, which is great, and we're starting to see what we can get out of guys like Kaminga and Pajemski uh, early in the game and certainly making up for the challenges that both Clay and Wiggs have had. Um but then, you know, with that, you know, you get a lack of consistency with, you know, the youth movement, right? And so, obviously, you have to accept that that's part of the uh, kit and caboodle, right? Um, you guys have to learn and grow and play through their mistakes. And, you know, we've seen that with Kaminga, uh, seeing it with Pajemski. Um, but, you know, that that's a tough coach coaching thing, right? That's probably tough to manage. And that kind of brings me to the last thing, which is how much of kind of these this theme – 
of, you know, giving up blown leads, uh, it comes down to player executions, player execution, and how much of it comes down to, to coaching, and specifically the coaching staff. I mean, not just Kerr, but like situational coaching, right? Um, taking the right timeouts um, when needed to, to, to cut a break from the other team when you've got a lead, for example, or sticking with the hot hand, right? Um, you know, there's been times when we've had guys like last, uh, the prior game, Moody was kind of playing, he was playing all right. And then he got pulled in play after that. Right. Um, or knowing when to, you know, cut, cut your losses short, right. And pull guys. Um, you know, it, it must be tough for the coaching staff, but I am feeling like, again, you know, some of the theme has been, you know, we've been missing on a lot of that this season. And again, injuries, Draymond being out, you know, there's a lot of excuses or reasons, but, I'm real curious. I think the break probably couldn't come at a better time because I think there we've seen enough where you know there's hints at kind of where we need to go. And I'm real curious how do we form our identity in the second half of the season and specifically our closing identity, our fourth quarter identity, right? It's got to be defense. It's also got to be like what's the lineup that closes that we can count on defensively and offensively to close the game out to make the right plays, limit turnovers, et cetera. So, got a lot cut out for us in the second half I'm, I'm excited actually to see it based on these last few weeks and hopefully we can figure out those three C's and um, make a good run into the playoffs yeah appreciate the call Dino I think you have a lot of good points um, I, I'm, I'm with you I'm excited as well this team is definitely playing better basketball of late despite what happened in the fourth quarter of the last two nights uh, it, it could have easily been two consecutive wins and what would that would have been seven in total for the Warriors going into the All-Star break, and it could have been 9 out of 10 instead of it's 8 out of 10, which is nothing to scoff at, and they're still playing their best basketball of the season. And when you consider everywhere that they've been over the last two weeks, uh, I agree with you, Dino. The break comes at a good time for the Warriors. I think they're running on fumes. That was probably part of it in the fourth quarter, although if you are fatigued and exhausted, it would probably be a little bit easier to slow things down as opposed to to play at the pace that Utah wants you to when they're trying to put together an epic comeback in that fourth quarter. But just listen to some of these numbers. Um, The Warriors, since February 1st, uh, so 15 days, including today, nine games, the Warriors uh, have been on eight flights, They've traveled 7,200 air miles in seven different cities. And then you consider what happened in the fourth quarter last night, and you consider what happened in the fourth quarter tonight. Uh, 44 to 28 in favor of the Clippers last night, uh, 35 to 20 in favor of the Jazz tonight. Like, this is a Warrior team that I am sure is just exhausted. Exhausted. Now, unlucky maybe for Pajemski, he gets to fly tonight out to Indiana because the Rising Stars game is tomorrow to begin All-Star Weekend. Steph Curry, uh, I'm sure he's not traveling out there tonight, but he's got to get out there as he's participating both on Saturday and on Sunday for All-Star festivities. Uh, Everyone else gets to do whatever the hell they want during this week off, uh, which is going to serve the Warriors really well as they get ready for the second half of the season, the unofficial second half of the season, because the Warriors uh, are 27 and 26. They've played what, uh, 53 games now, so you got 29 games left. Uh, the Warriors are well past the halfway point. Um, 
the unofficial second half uh, starts a week from tonight for the Warriors when they're at home hosting the Lakers. All right, back out to the phone lines we go. Want to clean up one more call, and then we will hear from Steve Kerr, who has addressed the media postgame after the Warriors' three-point win against the Jazz in Salt Lake City. Up next is Steel Toe in San Mateo. Steel Toe, what's up? You're on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 of the game. How you doing? All right, Gandhi. Thank you very much. Yeah, I was... Uh... A little confused, like with like everybody with the uh, closing lineup, not just from last tonight, but even yesterday's game with uh, not just the closing lineup, just just all of overall rotation. I I, I really kind of don't get it. It's it's almost like um, like I can't really take Steve Kerr serious anymore. Like I almost feel like he wants to play around and experiment, have a five guard lineup and have Gary Payton a second at center and Clay Thompson at power forward Pajenski at shooting forward and see if you know Chris Paul and Steph Curry can be the guards I I, I don't know what he's doing with the rotation I, I just can't take him serious thank you yep thanks Dilto. Um I mean what I will say, and it's been this way all season, honestly, and it, it kind of goes back to something that Draymond said about his suspension. You remember what he said? Uh, was it over the weekend? I think on Saturday. Um, when he said, honestly, my suspension and my absence turned into kind of a good thing because it forced Steve Kerr's hand into playing Jonathan Kaminga. And now look at what Jonathan Kaminga has turned into. Um, the reason why the Warriors got this major positive in Kaminga is because the Warriors had nowhere else to turn. Um, now, maybe that that angers you about Steve Kerr, that, that it took that in order to get this out of Jonathan and Kaminga. And if you are feeling that way, I would understand where you're coming from. Uh, however, the larger point is the Warriors and all of their injuries – Chris Paul was out. GP2 has missed multiple stretches. Moses Moody even missed a stretch. And he was playing really well, really well, before he had that hamstring issue that cost him a handful of games. All of those injuries and Draymond's suspension, it really shortened the Warriors' available players. And it, it made things easier. Honestly, for Steve Kerr, you didn't have nearly as many combinations. You didn't have guys on the end of the bench frustrated because they weren't getting minutes because those guys weren't available. Um, so to Steel Toe and to all you Warrior fans out there who are frustrated with rotations and lineup decisions and minutes allocation night to night, all I will tell you is buckle up because you're going to be frustrated the rest of the season. If this Warriors team is healthy, you're going to be upset. It's just the way that it works. And I, I see some chatting right now uh, on the YouTube chat powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Uh, Cameron says uh, he's upset about Kaminga's minutes tonight and his shots, only six shots in 24 minutes. He says this is a joke. I feel like he's going to be back on the bench soon. Uh, Cameron, first of all, appreciate you tuning in and commenting. I don't think you have to worry about that. I do not think uh, Kaminga is going back to the bench. What I will say, though, Kaminga's safe. He's he's done enough. He, he's going to be uh, playing 25-plus minutes, probably more like 28-plus minutes every single night moving forward for the Warriors and oftentimes in the 30s because he's been that good. Um. But for everybody else, like where are Chris Paul's minutes coming from? Is he going to play for Brandon Pajemski? 
the the few minutes that Moses Moody is getting right now, he was a DNP tonight, but he's played a little bit here and there. When Chris Paul comes back, it seems like Moses Moody has absolutely no chance to get into the rotation on any sort of consistent basis. I know people have uh, been enjoying Lester Quinones' minutes. That's going to go bye-bye when Chris Paul returns. Like, the Warriors have so many players that when they're out there, you feel like, hey, they can give you something, but there's just too many to realistically play on a consistent basis. So all I'm saying is if you're frustrated, uh, you are going to continue to be frustrated. All I would say. Because the Warriors have too many guys uh, to play on any kind of consistent basis. Uh, are you going to take away Pajemski's minutes? He's playing really good basketball. Uh, not saying Clay's going to score 35 points every single night, but it's not like he's going to be playing 15 minutes a night. You want more from GP2? I think the Warriors could always use more from GP2. Where are those minutes coming from? It's why I thought the Warriors realistically would consider making a, a two-for-one, a three-for-one trade of the deadline. Not necessarily to get some superstar, um, but just to to kind of pare down the rotation a little bit and solve some of these issues because there will be frustrations if this Warrior team stays healthy. But, I mean, all in all, I guess that is relatively a good problem to have. I mean, Steve Kerr was asked about it on this very radio station last week. Uh, he was asked, having does having too many players that feel like they deserve consistent minutes, is that a bad thing? And he said, well, it's much better than the alternative. And if you're winning, I mean, a guy on the end of the bench, uh, is he really going to be that upset if the team is performing well? Like, that's why Kaminga was so frustrated, and even Moody early in the season, because they weren't getting minutes, and the team was struggling. If, say, Moody isn't getting minutes, say, uh, Quinones isn't getting minutes, but the team is winning on a more consistent basis, like how frustrated can they actually be? Uh, and even if they go to Steve Kerr with that frustration, what's he going to say? Sorry, guys, I can't change things. We're playing really good basketball right now. Uh, that is going to be a story for the rest of the season for the Warriors, I I guarantee you. All right, it's uh, Warriors wrap-up on 95-7 the game. we got to hear from Steve Kerr coming up in just a minute, and we will. But first... I wanted to remind you that you're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ FM and HD1 San Francisco, always live on the free Odyssey app, Twitch, and YouTube, powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Let's hear from the coach, Steve Kerr, earlier tonight addressing the media in Salt Lake City after the Warriors' 140-137 to win over the Utah Jazz. I'm sure talked about Clay Thompson, talked about the ugly fourth quarter, and a whole lot more. Let's hear from the coach. Here is Steve Kerr earlier tonight from Salt Lake City. The decision to bring Clay off the bench, when did you make that decision? How did the conversation with him go? What did you think of the way he responded tonight? Uh, yeah, I, I've been thinking about it. And, um, you know, the, the, the lineup with um, Brandon out there with Wiggs, J.K., Draymond Steph, it's been by far our best lineup, and um, it just it, uh, BP connects the game. He rebounds. He does does some things that really help the other guys. And um, I've been thinking about it. Um, decided to do it uh, tonight, and talked to Clay this morning, and I thought he handled everything beautifully. You know, um, the way he came out, uh, determined, competitive. Um, that's not easy. You know to 
come off the bench for the first time in, I don't know, 11 years, you probably know. Um, it's, that's difficult, but um, Clay's a champion. He's one of the most competitive people I've ever met, and um, you know he's he responded accordingly and played a, a great, great game. You plan on continuing to bring him off the bench? Yeah. Forward? Yeah. Um, Doesn't mean it's permanent, but as I said, I like that lineup with BP and the other four, and um, you know Clay coming off the bench gives us a lot of firepower. Um, so we'll we'll give it a little look and we'll see how it goes from there. Another I mean, game that comes right down to the wire. You you feel more satisfied with the victory, more disappointed with the way it closed. Just how you feel um, winning eight of ten going into the break? Yeah, it's, I mean we, we our guys. Um, we're exhausted. You know, we've had so many games and uh, got in at 3.30 in the morning last night. And, um, you know, for them to respond the way they did, bring the energy, um, play the game that they did. Obviously, we've uh, made a lot of mistakes down the stretch and gave them a chance. Um, but um, I'm much more satisfied with the win than anything. And then we'll look at the tape and show the guys all the rebounds, the, the box outs we missed, uh, the turnovers. We had 13 turnovers which is a great number, but they led to 29 points. They were all pick sixes. They, we were literally just throwing the ball to them over and over again. And um, can't do that in the modern NBA. I mean, everybody shoots a million threes, and it feels like a 10-point you know, lead these days feels like five did, you know, 10 years ago. And we're up 19 and, you know, mid-fourth, and it doesn't feel close to over, and it wasn't. So it's a new league, and we we have to shore up our decision-making and execution because um, one play can, can literally shift everything. Team hits, you know, five threes in a row, and game's changed. You mentioned the fatigue that you guys are feeling. I mean, how nice is it to have yeah. some time off now after you know, all the stretch, all the road games, all the travel? And whatnot? Great to have... Uh, some time off. Um, I think all the guys have really earned it, and you know it's a good chance to to just breathe and get away and um, take their minds off basketball. And you know we're in a good spot. We're above 500. Um, we come back um, with a, an opportunity to to make some hay, and we're we're excited about it. Well, that's Steve Kerr post game in Salt Lake City tonight after the Warriors leave Utah with a narrow win. 140 to 137 over the Utah Jazz. The Warriors down 27 and 26. As Steve giving us our second football metaphor of the night. We're talking about the Warriors with a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. Just run the ball. Kill some clock, right? Take shots late in the shot clock. Steve Kerr saying uh, the number of turnovers, not bad as we talked about earlier, but it's the kind of turnovers. Steve Kerr said uh, pick sixes. The Warriors are throwing pick sixes out there, easy buckets off of turnovers. Uh, The Warriors committed 13 turnovers, uh, and the Jazz scored 29 points off those 13. That is more than two points per turnover. That is ridiculous efficiency for a team. Scoring 29 points off of 13 turnovers, that is 2.23, almost two and a quarter points per turnover. Uh, the Jazz converting at an absurd rate uh, off of Warrior turnovers, and the Warriors were lucky that it did not cost them uh, the ball game here tonight. Uh, I talked a little bit about Clay's mindset. I do want to hear from Clay Thompson. I want to play this cut for you really quick. Clay uh, talking about uh, Steve Kerr's decision to bring him off the bench. Here is uh, the Warrior Clay Thompson, who had 35 points tonight in his first game coming off the bench. Since uh, since his rookie year back in 2012, here's Clay Thompson on finding out 
He was not he was not starting tonight. Found out this morning. Me and Steve had a good talk about it. You know, you could do two things. You could pout or you can go out there and respond. And I thought I did the latter very well tonight. Especially no turnovers and missed a few box outs though. But more importantly, uh, I realized I'm gonna play a ton of minutes, so you just gotta let the ego go when you think of coming off the bench and all that. So I mean, I thought about Mono Ginobili. That guy has four rings and gold medal, and he came off the bench his whole career. And I don't think anyone looks down on his Hall of Fame candidacy. He's uh, one of the greats, and I thought I'd, I mean, I embraced it before tip. I mean, I deserved it, really. I didn't didn't respond to the not playing at the end of the game well last night. I kind of took it out on the assistant coaches, and I apologized to those guys before the game, and I think that really let uh, my guard down and let me just be myself out there. All right. I mean, that, that's a good answer from Clay Thompson, and it's something that we've talked about a lot here on Warriors wrap-up throughout the season on 95-7 the game. Uh, for me, and I think this is something that Clay Thompson is realizing, and I think a, a number of Warriors are realizing this, um, it's not always about who's the starter. I mean, you like to hear your name announced with alongside Stephen Curry and Draymond Green before every game, right? Like, you like to hear that. I get it. It's difficult maybe to not want that. I mean, I, we all have egos. I understand. Um, but Clay Thompson, just because you're not starting, and Steve Kerr did say he's going to at least keep trying this out of the All-Star break. Who knows how long it will last. He did make a point to specifically say it's not permanent. Uh, it doesn't mean it's permanent. Who knows? It could be, but it's not guaranteed to be permanent. Uh, but what matters more than anything else, it's how many minutes you're playing. Uh, and Clay tonight played 28 minutes. That's a good chunk of minutes, and he played the most important minutes of the night. He closed. Now, oddly enough, he wasn't very good in those closing minutes. He did not make a shot in the fourth quarter after going on an absolute heater through three quarters, specifically in the third alone when he scored 18 in that period by himself. Um, but Clay uh, played well and earned the right to close. And that might be the situation that we're looking at for Clay Thompson and the Warriors moving forward. And I think that's where Steve Kerr has adjusted the most this season. Um, it is no longer just assuming, all right, Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, they're going to close every single night. I think Steph and Draymond are still in that area. But we've seen a number of times this season, not as much of late because he has been playing better, where Steve Kerr not afraid to say, hey, Andrew, sorry, you're not closing tonight. You're not playing well enough. You did not earn it. You need to earn the right to close by playing well through the first three quarters. You don't do that? Sorry. Maybe next time. And I think Clay and Steve Kerr are now in the position where they understand that is the approach they have to take with Clay as well. Clay, play well through three quarters. Guess what? You'll close and you'll play around 30 minutes a night. If not, well, you might not close this time. That's where we are. And credit Clay Thompson for taking on this new chapter with an open mind. You hope it continues because you're going to need a positive Clay Thompson and a good Clay Thompson if you're going to win basketball games down the stretch, go to the playoffs, and potentially make noise in the postseason. You need that from Clay. So it's so important that the Warriors get that from Klay Thompson uh, moving forward. Because without it, uh, they don't have a chance. They don't have a chance. Which is why I understood why Steve Kerr, through so much of this season, um, 
was willing to put up with some big-time struggles from Clay because he knew the Warriors don't stand a chance if Clay isn't at least close to what Clay was last year, right? In January and February, his best stretch of his career. If Clay isn't that, uh, it almost doesn't matter what everybody else does because this Warrior team doesn't have the firepower without Clay Thompson playing that well. So I think this is a really positive development for the Golden State Warriors, and we'll see how it does uh, look when the Warriors come out of the All-Star break in a week. Next game for Golden State a week from tonight at home uh, against the Los Angeles Lakers. We'll see if Klay Thompson plays well, responds to coming off the bench again. Uh, unless something changes, um, it looks like he will. Steve Kerr saying he's going to stick with it at least for a bit out of the All-Star break. Uh, the 534 on the Comcast Business text line says, sixth man, Clay Thompson, the next force for the Warriors' second unit. I mean, that's the other thing. This is a Warriors bench squad that has been really good this season, uh, but Clay Thompson uh, could maybe give them a little bit of an added oomph offensively. And I think he does have the ability to defend in a different way than he has in his past. Uh, he's honestly proven to be a pretty decent defender down low against you know, small forwards and even power forwards. He can hold his own down there. He's stronger than we give him credit for. Uh, so Clay is still certainly very valuable. Va- excuse me, very valuable to this team. Um, and I think he is—he's a key. He's a key for the Warriors moving forward. All right, Warriors wrap up here on ninety-five-seven. The game. A few minutes left with you. Uh, we do have to take care of a piece of business before we get on out of here on 95.7. The game, we have to hand out our hardest worker of the game, which is brought to you by the Alameda County Sheriff's Office, who works hard to serve the community. Are you looking for a career in law enforcement? Learn more about job opportunities at joinacso.com. Uh, and I think we do have to give our hardest worker of the game tonight. Ah. You know what? This is a, this is actually a tougher one than I thought. I was just kind of gonna blindly pick Clay Thompson because he had 35 points, 13 of 22 from the field, seven of 13 from downtown. But I did just get done talking about him for like the last 10 minutes, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pull an audible. Our hardest worker of the game tonight is actually Draymond Green. One of our callers brought it up. You get 23 points from Draymond Green. How often do you get that? 23 from Draymond. He made three threes in this game, by the way, all in the first half. I'm not sure Draymond has made a three in the second half all season, but he's been really good shooting the ball uh, from downtown in first halves this year. 9 of 14 from the field, 3 of 5 from downtown, had five rebounds and five assists, four steals and two blocks and no turnovers. Draymond Green was everywhere in this game tonight. 23 points, a season high for Draymond Green. As a result, he is our hardest worker of the game. Again, brought to you by the Alameda County Sheriff's Office. Warriors win tonight, 140-137 to 137 over the Utah Jazz. Uh, and they are now 27-26 and 26 as they head off to the All-Star break. The Warriors off for the next week. Again, they play on Thursday against the Lakers. That's a week from tonight. There will be a little bit of Warriors action over the weekend, not for the team, but for individuals. Brandon Pajemski tomorrow evening in Indianapolis competing in the Rising Stars game. Should be fun for Brandon Pajemski. And then Stephen Curry will be competing on All-Star Saturday night, not in the three-point contest itself, 
But in the uh, the fun Steph versus Sabrina one-on-one three-point shooting contest, Sabrina Ionescu, a superstar from the WNBA and a Bay Area kid herself, uh, going up against Stephen Curry. That should be a lot of fun on All-Star Saturday night. And then Steph, of course, also is the Warriors' lone All-Star. He'll be playing in the game on Sunday evening as well. So we have that to look forward to uh, for Pajemski and Steph Curry this week, tomorrow and over the weekend. Uh, But the next Warriors basketball game will be a week from tonight. And you can hear it right here on 95.7 The Game. Pre-game coverage beginning at 6 for that 7 o'clock tip a week from tonight against the Lakers. All right, that'll do it here for us on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. Shout-out to Kevin Dana, by the way, filling in for Tim Roy tonight. Did a fantastic job. Always fun hearing Kevin Dana on Warriors games. Brings a lot of energy to the broadcast and certainly had a lot to be excited about in this game tonight. The Warriors beat the Jazz 140-137. to Shout-out as well to Chris O'Connell and Sterling Bennett behind the glass. My name is Mark Grandy signing off. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for all the interactions on the YouTube chat powered by First NorCal Credit Union as well. Thanks to all the texters on the Comcast Business text line and, as always, all the callers here on 95.7 The Game. One final time, the Warriors knock off the Jazz 140-137. to They go to the All-Star break with a winning record. How about that? 27 and 26. Thanks for listening and have a good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.